You're watching the Luca Rosano Show. Here's your host, Luca Rosano. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Luca Rosano Show. On this week's show, I got a very special guest. Mr. Akil Augustine is joining us. How are you doing, my man? Thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, I am being creative. That's how I'm doing. I'm out here being creative during quarantine time. What exactly have you been doing during quarantine? I mean, give us kind of your uh, your your day to day here. Oh wow, what haven't I been doing during quarantine? Just a lot of different things. I mean, it's I'm in a fortunate position that um, the quarantine hasn't put too much stress on my lifestyle. Fortunate enough to work for a big company that supported me through this. Um, so first and foremost, you know, shouts out to everybody. I know everybody's got a different journey. Uh, for myself, I'm one of those people that you know excels um, alone. Um, I've always invested in, uh, you know, alone time. It's probably my most creative time. It's where I excel. Uh, so I've been challenging myself with my uh, free time, just with any any kind of challenge. Um, I've got this little group of friends, my trainer, and a couple other guys, and we've kind of just been picking up different challenges, working out, meditation, uh, checking in on some of the content we've been consuming, setting restrictions on lifestyle. So it's really been um, it's it's been fun. And, and as as you may already know, I'm, I'm an avid reader, an audiobook guy and YouTube holder. So I've been doing a lot of that, just exposing myself to a lot of different concepts and ideas. Uh, I joined medium.com, reading a lot of different book uh, articles from different walks of life. So, you know, with the 24 hours each day, I've been trying to like maximize what I can do while inside. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been following you on Instagram and, and even seeing your, uh, your daily meditation. That's probably been huge for just keeping your mental health up to par. Um, how important do you think meditating or even just working out during this time is? Well, I mean, I can't stress it enough simply because just understanding how, uh, you know, the hormones and chemicals of a human being work and understand that we live in very confined spaces as a collective here in Toronto and Southern Ontario. So I know that just, um, having the ability to move freely within time and space is really key for uh, physical and mental health. Um, and I also um, am conscious of like, we are content consumers. Mm. And so like we give our ear and our eye to a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people out there take that responsibility like seriously. Like, you know, I respect a lot of the guys on YouTube who, um, you know, really you know, like the Joe Rogans, Lewis Howes, Aubrey Marcuses, who uh, really respect the listener and the viewer. And uh, you know, try not to inundate you with too many messages. But if you're watching a lot of network television and cable, then you're just getting tons and tons. It's like a 30-second commercial, five of them every every six minutes, and, that, and it's just a lot of information, a lot of stimulus. So I think that you know, doing other things that don't involve your phone and your television are going to be key, and to keep those the phone and television as kind of like rewards, because mm -hmm. if they just become like you know your best friend. It's in a, it, it can get dark. Yeah, it's very interesting you bring that up. I mean, now it's so easy to just be spending all our time on our tablets, phones, TV. So to kind of broaden that horizon, get outside, still get fresh air, I think that's very key during this time. It makes TV fun again. Like, I was in the binging mode. I binged shows, and it's like, and I decided I wasn't going to binge The Last Dance, right? Because some people sent me the link to all the episodes. Yeah. So I had to do the, and I'm like, you know what? The way that Last Dance is coming out on the Sundays is really structuring my week. And then I started doing it with um, a couple of my Netflix shows like Ozark and the David Koresh one. 
And so it's, and then I'm saving Rick and Morty's now. And so it's allowed me to like do other things and still have these little treats because I think the biggest thing that I miss most of all because of the way my life is structured so much around live events and stuff is I miss having things to look forward to. Mm, yeah, that's a big thing with obviously sports being put on pause. It's funny you mentioned The Last Dance because I was sent that link also, but I wanted to kind of space it out. Uh, what are your, what have you been your overall thoughts of The Last Dance documentary? I mean... Uh, in your opinion, I mean, what would you what would you give it? I know there's still two more episodes. The final two episodes will be this week. What are some of your takeaways uh, from the the doc? Well, I mean, the first thing that you should pro- I, I would say is it's not a documentary. It's a memoir. It's um, extremely one sided, extremely slanted. It's not journalistic. It's um, you know, it's a film created by fan, controlled by the main subject. So you have to take a bag of salt with it. But at the same time, as a fan, I think Michael Jordan did a really good job of respecting the storytelling process at the same time as respecting himself and what he wanted to share. Uh, I think a couple people, I, I mean, I, I love the way it's playing out because, you know, a lot of people think it's a documentary and they treat it as that. But I think with the lack of other sports content out there right now, what you're seeing is other people getting the platforms to defend themselves and to talk about the slantedness of the story, which is really cool too. Like Isaiah Thomas gets a chance to defend himself. Horace Grant gets a chance to defend himself. Um, Kevin McHale gets a chance to defend uh, Isaiah Thomas and to defend the Celtics and to defend the Pistons, right? So I think um, probably in a different time, in a different bubble, it would have been like, you know, more, more, um, it would have been taken at its word, which would have been dangerous because it would have been severely skewed. But I think the fact that, you know, ESPN doesn't have anything else to show, they're going to do the after show style supplementary coverage, which gives a lot of, um, life to other people who, like Isaiah Thomas being an NBA TV and ESPN guy, he gets a chance to defend himself because he doesn't come across looking the best in the documentary. Yeah, I know. That's very true. Uh, you've obviously been in a position where you watch the heydays of Michael Jordan. You're obviously watching LeBron James. Who, who's your GOAT? I, I'm curious to know. Is MJ your GOAT? My GOAT is Kobe Bryant. I think you, got, you really got to factor in um, how old were you? I think when Michael was in his prime, I was like eight nine and i loved him and he was the introduction actually i didn't like it to be honest i hated michael growing up i was a knicks fan and i was a houston rockets fan but um as i got older and i understood who michael jordan was then the, and then aesthetically the sneakers being the, what they were led you to, to, to love him more and then i was a little older when the comeback happened and just to watch my uncles and my cousins and my friends react because they were I, they were all older than me like i always had older friends um, and around older people. So that was like what enamored me to him. But you think about um, my, my, I got to work in the NBA from like 21, 22 to now. And you think about who dominated the NBA over that span and um, the age that I was, I was still young and naive in my 20s and you still idolize people and you probably, you know, hold people in a higher light than you should as you would at my age when you're a little bit more cynical. So I think for me now, I look back and I say Kobe Bryant was the guy who kept me involved with the game of basketball. And not only just that, and um, I love his comp- competitiveness and, and the beauty of the game, I think more so his, uh, his, his personal demeanor, um, how he went about it. And I think um, I'm a big Phil Jackson fan, mm-hmm. and uh, I think just being associated with Phil was probably very important for me, knowing that Phil respected Kobe's um, mama mentality and knowing that Phil's the guy who was, you know, who introduced me to meditation through you know, his whole uh, attempt with the Bulls to clear Michael's mind. That's one of the first, like, I think it was Jay-Z out of line in um, Life and Time, Volume 2, 
Time to step it up another level, meditate like a Buddhist. And then I heard it from from uh, Phil Jackson. And then I think uh, Gangstar Guru had a song where he mentioned meditation uh, and, 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 and the, um, a Buddhist or Dalai Lama type figure. And those were some of the first times I ever got into that world of Eastern philosophy. And so, you know, I think that's something that I bonded with Kobe over, just those associations. You're heavily involved in the industry. Uh, you're a courtside reporter for Raptors 905. Describe the experience of that. What's uh, what's that been like for you and your career? Um, well, again, I think a lot of my um, fortune fortunateness is just due to time and place and circumstance. You think about it, when I was younger, the Raptors didn't exist. Um, and I was lucky enough to be passionate about the sport at a time when you know, unluckily, unluckily for you, you have competition, right? There are lots of people who are in um, the world of broadcasting and attempting to do things in content. Um, in the year 2001, nobody was making basketball content. That's hard nobody to believe. Nobody <laughs> in Ontario had a camera and said the word basketball outside of Leo and Matt and Jack and... Yeah. So, um, honestly, the whole thing for me is a result of the community that I live in. Like, I, I grew up in a, in a neighborhood that boasted Michael Bongo, Vidal Messiah, Colin Charles, Jamal McGlure, Top Gun Tournament, Top Gun Basketball, Eastern Commerce. So, um, I kind of, when I came to Canada, was kind of thrust into this community, and then befriended people like Rowan Barrett at an early age, like Sherman Hamilton. I met these people when I was 12, 13. Um, I've known Jay Triano since I was a teenager. Um, you know, so luckily for me, just being in downtown Toronto and having a passion for the game that I had and having a big enough mouth to talk about it, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. There was no one doing what I was doing. When I created my YouTube show, when I created the Hangout, when I asked to, to, to be a, a, report, a reporter for Raptors, people didn't want to do it. So it was it's, it was really about like, and I think that still plays out today that we're a community that has in, embraced sports and live events, and so there's so many opportunities for people um, to storytell. And as a natural storyteller, I kind of find my find my opportunity, and we kind of built this community in Toronto where. We got tons of people making. Like, if you look at the use of social media in per per capita per city, and Toronto is one of the leaders. We are early adopters of all sorts of technology, so I think um, being in Toronto has been a huge part of. And then, like you think about it, like I ended up working for Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, which is a monolithic corporation. I get to work for the Raptors, the Leafs, TFC. You know, uh, luckily enough, growing up in Scarborough, I got to familiarize myself with a lot of guys. Um, who worked with OVO. So I got the opportunity to host Drake's tournament, right? And um, working in Toronto, downtown, with a lot of people I work with professionally, once Nike Canada started doing brands and sponsored stuff. So it all kind of just stemmed out of this community that exists. Because whenever I go to a basketball event, I, I see the same people all the time. So there's really just this, this small group. Well, I don't even know if it's small anymore, but it's a very familiar group for me of people. And just opportunities arise out of a community. So I was just fortunate. The Raptors created 905. I was already working for Raptors. That happened. 905 won a championship. Raptors win a championship. I get a lot of the refractive glory and light from the fact that just 
this is the progression of Toronto. Yeah, no, you've definitely been in a good position, but doing a great job, obviously, you know, given the opportunities you have because of, you know, what you do. Um, when covering the Raptors 905, I'm curious, who are some, like, players who have stood out to you? You obviously know Raptors 905 have developed some guys, you know, who have turned out to be big-time players for the Raptors, uh, you know, Siakam, Fred Van Vliet. Looking at this current roster with the Raptors 905, is, is there anybody who stands out to you as being that guy who can make a jump? Wow, this year's Raptors 905. Shoo. Well, I mean, so long since I've actually, like, you know, ran back the footage and the tape. But, I mean, the, the real thing that you were looking for there was O'Shea. O'Shea Brissett, a guy, again, I've known since he was, like, 13 years old. He played for Northern Kings, played for CIA Bounce, and all of his coaches, um, from Nikki Davis to Tony McIntosh to Bada Messiah. Uh, so, you know, I think O'Shea added that element of athleticism and rebounding and just another body that you could throw in there, especially when OG uh, had his difficulties and uh, they didn't get the kind of performances they wanted out of Stanley, and they were kind of like using that as a motivation of, hey, we got this young guy that we could throw in there that's just going to junk things up. So I think the progression of O'Shea, because they've had such good success developing wing players, if you look at the growth of Norman Powell, you look at the growth of Pascal Siakam, and um, just the importance of that position in this game, to have those guys that don't require shots but can bang that corner three and really come in and and um, change the energy level of a game, which you saw him do in spurts in the season with the Raptors, more so than the than, than the, than the uh, Raptors 905, because I think when he was in 905, understanding the reputation he had with the Raptors of being this you know, young, up-and-coming kid, you kind of expected more from him. And I think that's a good thing that Jamal Malila did, was he often tried to set the expectation of, we're not trying to have O'Shea do with the 905 what he doesn't do with the Raptors. So if you get to see him getting six rebounds and four points with the Raptors in the 13 minutes that he played coming off the bench, don't expect him to come get 30, 10, and 10 with the 905 because that won't translate. We're not sending him up to the Raptors to take to get 30 points. That's what they have Kyle and Fred and Pascal for. He's got to excel at shooting the gap on rebounds, at boxing out, at that corner three, at making the right read, at knowing the defensive situations. And so I think... For, that was the guy I think that they really keyed on having um, blossom this year. Again, Terrence Davis was supposed to be this year's 905 guy. He was a guy that they saw in Vegas and they said, well, there's a player. You know, everyone knows the story. Like, you don't sign a guy in Vegas after one game and he's not playing for your team. It's unheard of, but they really liked him. And so originally coming into the season, it was anticipated that Terrence Davis would be playing uh, the role that Fred and Pascal, and, and, and guys like that, uh, Jordan uh, Jordan Lloyd, right, um, uh, Zoe, right, from two years back. Um, th those guys played that lead guard that made everything a bit easier for everyone, and then they needed Terrence, and that was gone, and I think that led to, uh, it put a lot of pressure on um, Coach Jamma and Tyler, because Tyler being more of a traditional point guard, Tyler Ennis, which is another guy, I think, who's an NBA-bound guy, uh, Tyler is much more of a, he's, a, he's a true second point guard in the NBA, I believe, but he's not as much of um, a scorer type as, as an initiator. And I think Tyler would look really good alongside a dominant two guard at that level because it would open up a lot of lanes for him. But again, it was a, it was a challenge because Tyler was still coming out with a big leg, leg injury also. But I would say that the, of those are the three names that I would have that, uh, stuck out for me in terms of the 905, I think not so much for the Raptors, but maybe depending on Fred's situation. Tyler, 
uh, but definitely O'Shea because he already brought uh, a bunch of things they needed. And then Terrence, question answered. Uh, you mentioned it there with Fred Van Vliet, uh, you know, being one of those guys who uh, has a big decision to make this offseason. I want to get your take on this. How do you see the Raptors offseason playing out when it comes to Fred's decision, Mark's decision, uh, Abaka's decision? Who do you think comes back? And how do you think this Raptors team will look uh, next year? It could look very different or it could look much of the same. Well, the sad thing is I think that a lot of that depended on how the season played out. Because if you saw how they were playing, they were playing amazing. And I don't anticipate, I think it would have been tougher for Mark and Serge um, in just terms of uh, where they're at in their career, knowing that uh, past a certain age, you're trying to maximize the financial gains of your career, and they've already won a championship. So I don't know, I, I couldn't make a ready prediction, but I can't imagine this season going well and Fred Van Vliet not being a Raptor next year. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. imagine that, especially with the bond that he's developed with Pascal and understand how the two of their games are complementary. And knowing that these guys are kind of... I count them as smarter individuals. Not to say that anyone isn't smart, but I think a lot of times guys buy into their own success and, and, and don't think it's a result of the environment that they're in. And I give all credit due to Fred, who's a guy who bets on himself. But as much as betting on himself, he also kind of bets on the place that he's at a lot. He understands what the Raptors are, who Coach Nick Nurse is, who Mustafa Ujiri is. So I think a lot of these guys who grew and developed, you know, with the Raptors Summer League team, the 905 team, and then got to win a championship with the big club, I think they probably have a great understanding of exactly how valuable their experience with the Raptors has been to them professionally and financially. Let's jump now to free agency 2021. It's a big topic of conversation, especially on YouTube. I want to get your opinion on this. The whole Giannis sweepstakes. Do you think there's a chance he can find himself here in Toronto? What, what do you make to that? Or do you think that's just noise? I buy it. I mean, it's a legitimate rumor. It's a legitimate rumor. I mean, if you don't buy it, then you don't believe that, you know, Masai Jiri's continuously surprised us with the his ability to maneuver, right? You talk about Carmelo in Denver. You talk about, you know, reneging on the Kyle deal and making the best out of that. You talk about the deal he made with Grievous Vasquez and those guys that kind of initiated stuff. Or was that Brian? Maybe that was Brian. I don't know. If no, it was Gr- Gr- Grievous, I believe, yeah, was uh, that was Masai, I think. That was, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. I'm blurry right now. I have no sense of time because I'm being home. <laughs> it's the same day every day. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What day is it? It's today. Um, but I think his history of being able to maneuver in the market, whether it be free agency uh, or trades, has been impressive. Yeah. And yeah. he's the most sought-after general manager in the league. So if you put those two together, you say when he calls, I imagine both GMs and players listen. And I think the other thing, too, that you got to factor in is this is a different age than when Vince left um, Toronto. And I think it was initiated with Masai, if I'm correct. Because if you look at the deal that Kevin Durant made with the Warriors, he notified them and allowed them to make a deal to get the Anthony Russell so that he wouldn't walk away after the deadline and they get nothing, right? And you look at... um, It's actually been a trend the last couple of years because I think what happened with LeBron in Cleveland was kind of bad for the G, for the GM, and he was kind of burned, and I think a lot of GMs rallied around the fact that they can't let that happen to a franchise. And to draw back to Masai, why I started there was because I'm not sure it was too common to move a player of Carmelo Anthony's caliber 
and get back value. And the same value is you're not going to get back uh, Apple for Apple generational star, but what he got back allowed Denver to, first off, you know, satiate their fan base, right? Even though they were upset, keep the product relatively good and put them in a position for for a big push in the future. Which part of me, if I'm wrong, Denver's got one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now, right? So I think, and that deal was years back, right? How long ago did Carmelo go to New York? So I think that kind of set a precedent, or at least set a, a framework for future deals. And I don't think, and I think that Milwaukee, knowing that Giannis is once in a lifetime player, they're gonna maximize this opportunity. Of course, the top option would be resign him, but option two is definitely get value. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be travesty if they lost Giannis and got nothing in return. That's why you're hearing a lot of speculation now. No franchise should ever do that again because the framework's out there, you know. But again, it's based on the superstar player and him having a conversation with the GM and being open about it. And I guess that's real swing state there. Last question for you, Akil. You've obviously covered this team for so many years. You've seen you know, the lows of the lows, the highs of the highs. I'm curious to hear this uh, from you, your top five Raptors of all time, from five to number one. Who are they? Number one, for me personally, Damon Mighty Mouse Stoudemire. But like best of all time, number one? Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's let, go, 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 go five to one. Build up some okay. suspense. All right. All right. <laughs> Right, respect. Okay, so you don't know who my first is. Um, <laughs> uh, number five, you got to give respect to Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry deserves all the respect in the world uh, for the toughness and what he's brought to the team. Uh, number four, um, you got to give mad, mad, mad respect to DeMar DeRozan because he's a great human being. Above all else, he's a great human being. I don't care what he does on the basketball court. He's a great guy to me. And I know what type of guy he is. And he's just a great guy. And it was an honor to, to, to report on him and to work with him um, and travel with him and the team for the time that I did. Uh, number three, Vincent Lamar Carter. Uh, just because he's Vincent Lamar Carter, he's Air Canada, he's the reason, like, you know, we got up and down and, and, and enjoyed um, the game the way we did. Um, number, okay, so wait, sorry, okay. All right. Um, again, my number two favorite Raptor of all time is Fred Van Vliet. I love Fred. I think Fred's another guy where it's just, I think with me, I like people. As much as I love basketball, I like people. And Fred Van Vliet is great people. So I just like the way he carries himself. I like the way he respects the people around him. Um, he takes time to shake hands, make eye contact. Uh, he gives people a lot of respect, and I respect that about him. And then number one of all time, again, for me, a lot of this chemicals and timing, I was 13, 14 years old when the Raptors got a team, and this kid was five foot ten, chucking up threes, crossing dudes over, and I loved Mighty Mouse as a, as a cartoon, oddly enough, back in Trinidad, it was one of the few um, North American shows that we would get, like Woody Woodpecker, Mighty Mouse, and stuff like that, so something I was already familiar with from Trinidad, yeah. that when I came to Canada, it was like, oh, shoot, this guy, and Mighty Mouse, like, that's insane. It blew my mind. So, for me, and again, um, he had a really great Nike shoe. It was a part of the Jason Kidd line with this, like, marble bubble at the back. So, a lot of it is, like, little um, ancillary things around the movement. And I just remember, like, walking, I remember that after the draft, 
No, it wasn't after the draft. It was just a regular. I think it was after three on three. Like when I was like, we're going into grade nine. Like we're walking the streets one night, and we walked by like a Foot Locker on Young Street, and I just saw like the shoe in the poster, and it was just like it was just the lighting of the night. It was like dusk, store <laughs> front window display, and for some reason for the rest of my life, I always remember looking inside that store and seeing Jason Kidd's sneaker, Michael Jordan's sneaker, and David Stoudemire's sneaker. And that was like, it's like an image that's always going to stay with me. So just to clarify, these are your top five favorite Raptors of all time. You went yeah. based on, okay, your preference. Who yeah. would you go, if you had to talk like best Raptors of all time and the storied franchise, who would, what would that top five look for you? Talking pure best Raptors. Well, it would go, can I go in order of one, then two, three? How many do you, how many do you want? Give me your top five. Top five greatest Raptors of all time. Top five greatest Raptors. The greatest players to play yes. in a Raptor uniform. We know your top five favorite Raptors, but now the I want to know, in your opinion, the top five greatest Raptors to ever wear the uniform. Number five, Alvin A. Boogie Williams. Number four, Jerome Junkyard Dog Williams. Number three, Vincent Lamar Carter. Number two, DeMar DeRozan. Number one, Kyle Lowry. So no no Kawhi Leonard or Bosch in your top five. One season, no cut it. What's that? Yeah. One season, no cut it. And uh, Bosch doesn't make it. Wow. Okay, that's some interesting stuff, guys. Let us know down below what you think of Akil's top five yeah, greatest Raptors of all time. JYD is a different animal. Oh, I, I was mean, a huge fan of his. Like, but, but at the same time, you don't understand. Like, it's easy to get up in Chicago and LA and be Dennis Rodman. You know, a big market, everybody's watching. But in a town that doesn't understand the game, where you're winning people over, that guy didn't care where he was, what time it was. He was giving his all. And I think for someone who doesn't understand how good it is, how hard it is to cover an NBA player and to go out there to compete with the best, to understand the toolkit that Junkyard Dog Williams was working with, and to know that he was mostly going off of sheer effort and a lot of God-given talents. But at times he was outmatched. Uh, he, it's, it's amazing what he was able to accomplish in his, in his time in the NBA, but especially the time with the Raptors because there weren't a lot of other good pieces around except for the two seasons when, like, you know, they really caught fire. Yeah, no, for sure. Just for the record, my top five greatest Raptors all time, I got Bosch five, DeRozan four, Carter three, Kawhi, too. I know you say you don't count one season, but he did help us win the pinnacle, the championship, and I got Lowry one. Okay. Lowry's the GOAT Raptor, so we agree on that one. Yeah, Lowry, Lowry, definitely. You can't really argue against that guy. Yeah. He's, he's been the heart and soul in the backbone of the team. You can. Everybody loves him. and he, I mean, he's been here for, what, the last decade? He was the, at that point when we were very, very bad, and then to see him, you know, with that group in 2019 get to the top of the mountain, that was special to see. And I'm sure from your perspective, that was great to see him reap the benefit of a championship after all his hard work. <laughs> it was a winding road, but they got there. Okay, Akil, this has been a ton of fun. We got rapid fire questions to end us off here. You ready to do this? Board ready. Okay, yeah, let's go. First rapid fire question. Favorite interview you've ever done? Ooh. Uh, favorite? Damn it. That was, okay, I'm not rapid firing here. You've done a uh, lot. Yeah. <laughs> favorite interview with uh, Scotty Pippen, one-on-one in New York City. Ooh, I like that. Uh, favorite music artist right now in the game today? 
the god, Kanye West. If you could build uh, an NBA franchise around one current NBA player, who would it be? <laughs> Best experience you've had while working in the field? World Basketball Festival. Nike treats you well. We're creating content for them. We're on the beach in Chicago with the world's best basketball players. Interesting. Something people don't know about you. I can transcendentally meditate. Wow. You're a reader, as many people know. Uh, best book you've read during this quarantine? The best, uh, The Energy Codes by Dr. Sue Mortar. I gotta check that out. And last but not least, uh, who do you admire the most? God. And that's how we're going to end it. I respect that. Akil, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day, joining me on the Luke Rosano Show. Guys, please like, subscribe. Go check out Akil. I'll put his Instagram down below. And uh, stay safe, my man. Hopefully, we can do this again soon in better times. Yes, sir, man. Take care. Stay safe. Congratulations on your show. And I look forward to more from you. Thank you so much. And thank you to the viewers for watching. Till next time, this is Luke Rosano. Have yourself a great weekend. And I'll catch you all again in the next one. Peace out.